Good morning. This is Wayne Elston from South Sound Motorcycles, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of The Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. I'm kind of bummed out. What's going on, Tom? They closed a staple store down near my house. That's tragic. And I, now I got to go to Office Depot, you know. Do they sell motorcycle gear at Office Depot? No, and you know, I, 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 it does kind of annoy me when people start a podcast about a particular subject and they start talking about something else that isn't that subject. So, uh, hey everybody, I'm Tom Marin, and I'm here with Derek Roberts, and we are here to... Uh, Welcome you to the Soundwriter Show. We're going to talk about motorcycling news, motorcycling events, motorcycling people, and not going to talk about staples anymore. Which is probably always a good thing. And full effect here in June, summertime, officially here, I think you can say, in a beautiful day out here in the Soundwriter studio. Uh, you know, show uh, number 1506, June 2015, and there is a ton going on, as I mentioned, a summertime in full effect here, including a lot in the calendar section, which we're going to get to in a bit. But just to kind of tease that, the Marymount Motorcycle Week is coming up here in June, and we've got a lot of rallies coming to the area and a whole, whole lot of racing. And then once we go on down into News Bites, something big coming from Honda. I think there's a new bike coming to the American market, and we're going to dive into that. That's a bike everybody's been looking for for decades. We've been waiting for it, and uh, it sounds like it's going to be here. So we'll get into that in just a bit. And then our guest interview today, a uh, friend of the show and local iron but rider Jim Palms. He's going to be talking about his 4810 ride, 48 states in 10 days. Ow. Yes, that's a lot of riding there. But uh, with we'll get all that in just a moment here. But let's talk off, uh, or let's start off anyway, talking about some R&D going on here in Soundwriter headquarters. Tom, what have you been working on? I've been working on this thing called the Chain Bather. And uh, so far, what I've done is uh, gotten a, a channel of PVC and then uh, cut a piece of commercial-grade furniture foam to slip into there. And I affix it with a very good adhesive. And uh, we've tested it across several different brands of chain lube, and it works great. And, it's, and what's really nice is you spray the chain lube into the foam, and then um, you run that foam over the chain so you're not wasting all that chain lube going out into the air and going on the ground and right which is always kind of one of those things where you have to put like the old cardboard box right underneath your bike and you want to make sure you probably still want to do this but before uh, that was acting as sort of a catch-all for that excess lube spray um can you kind of describe maybe a little bit for our listeners now this is already up in the soundwriter store so they can go and take a look at store.soundwriter.com but what exactly, uh, like dimensions-wise, take us through how this kind of works. It's about the size of a small matchbook, um, but it, it's it's going to be coming off the store now. Oh, it's coming off the store now. Yeah, okay. because I, I got a hold of uh, a really nice chain lube that DuPont makes, and it's uh, it's they call it chain wax, and it is a chain wax with Teflon, and I sprayed it onto the chain bather, and I'll be darned if that chain lube didn't go after the adhesive 
and so, melted it. So back to the uh, back drawing, to the drawing board. board. The next round, we're going to be doing some epoxy, and I think that's going to make it through because I don't think that any kind of stuff is going to be able to tear away epoxy. Well, I think uh, we just had just gotten that onto the shelves at Staples. I think that's what closed the nearby location <laughs> there. But uh, let's talk a little bit about this lube, though. You said it's from DuPont here. Is this uh, something that you've been using for a while on your bike, or is this a new thing you're testing out? Actually, the, the DuPont product, I just got it. I, I've, I was bouncing into it as I was checking out chain lubes online. I kept seeing it, and I thought, you know, I've never had that before. So I thought I'd give it a shot. And so I, I, I used it last night, and then about two minutes into it, the sponge came off of the PVC channel. I see. So maybe not the greatest for the chain bather there, but uh, maybe give us an update uh, next month and yeah. see how that lube is holding up on uh, the actual chain. Yeah, because uh, this month I'll be going down to the gorge, and I'll be using it frequently through that ride it's it's the no fly off stuff it's not sticky it's not gummy or gooey uh looks like it's going to be a pretty good product well we'll be anxious to see uh your reviews coming up next month and speaking up speaking of next month uh sweet 16 for sound rider so are, are we on track for a double issue we are on track for a double issue right. that's right so, so writers, this is what you're going to get in a July issue of Soundwriter, and that doesn't mean like don't read the June one when I get it up later this month. Of course, but um, you're going to get a double issue, and uh, half of that issue, or one of those issues, is going to focus on our 16th birthday. It'll be 16 years since we launched our first Soundwriter magazine online. And uh, and then uh, Derek has been working me over for wanting to do a dual sport adventure touring special. So uh, he's working up a lot of content. I've got a lot of content. And so it's it's going to be a double issue. That's right. And that's kind of, uh, you know, sort of my uh, where my heart is at in the world of motorcycling. Of course, I like it all. But uh, dual sport, adventure touring and that kind of thing is something that I'm a big fan of here. Obviously, it's a growing market as well. So uh, and probably one of the best regions uh, maybe in the world, certainly in the country out here in the Pacific Northwest to do that kind of riding. So I figured match made in heaven, right? Yeah, this is a great place to ride. Uh, speaking of it being a great place to ride, if you follow us on Facebook, you probably saw the pictures I put up of uh, the ride that I did with a few of our of, uh, of my friends up to the Mount Rainier area. And uh, one of the riders that was with us had a sidecar. And, you know, it's it's May. It was May. And you'd think it's been a mild year, wouldn't be any snow. Sure. And then we had to push Ned's sidecar through the snow. Well, we have out here in the west what we call real mountains as opposed to what they have over there in the east coast. And that does account for uh, usually pretty, almost close to year-round snowfall at certain elevations. Uh, well, at all elevations, not all elevations, but at higher elevations, excuse me. And uh, I did look at some of those pictures there. It still looked like you guys were having a great time. We were. We had a good time. And, you know, I, I like to get a, I like to break a good sweat every day with some cardio. Sure. And, I, and that's how I got to break it that day. <laughs> and now this was not one of the uh, monster Ural sidecars with the, uh, sh where you could engage the, uh, the shaft on the sidecar wheel. Yeah, right? that's called the gear up, and uh, right. we didn't have that. It was, uh, it was a BMW. And there was no power going to the third wheel. So. I got you. So the power to the third wheel was uh, the rest of the crew. Yeah, but we all had a good time, and, and uh, it's kind of fun when you bump into that stuff. It was it was totally unexpected for that day. Well, that's part of going out and riding, right? You don't want the same old boring uh, ride time after time. Exactly, and a lot of times what we'll do is what we call the snow line ride, which will be our first ride of the year, and we'll try to go find the snow line. And we didn't 
call this one a snow line ride, but it turned into <laughs> it turned one. Turned out to be one. Well, uh, fortunately, though, you had a lot of good guys out there. And like I said, get onto the Facebook, uh, to our Facebook page, um, and you can check out some of those pictures, which are really fun to look at there. But speaking of mixing up your riding habits and sort of getting out and having fun, we got a lot going on in the uh, Sound Rider event category, uh, including some updates from Cafe to Cafe. What's going on there, Tom? So I just updated the standings for Cafe to Cafe, and I had quite a few riders out in May. So I, I had probably 25 riders send in uh, photographs of them outside of their respective cafes that they need to be visiting. And uh, we got a really nice picture from Terry Morris of his uh, – this is like some crazy sandwich that they make at location number 12. And um, it's like roast beef, turkey, and ham. It looked like two meals in one. And, uh, and some potato salad. And it, it, looked, it looked really mouth-watering. And can you uh, maybe tease the listeners and myself here and let us know what sort of region location number 12 is in? Number 12 is in Washington State in western Washington. It's pretty close to I-5. And uh, that, I could tell you that much. Okay. So, and, and anybody who's wondering why we're not giving us away, uh, part of the deal when you sign up for the Cafe to Cafe is you pay a rate to get in to participate and play the game. And so we don't release the locations of the cafes to anybody else other than the people that are playing. And that's part of the fun. But this sounds like maybe uh, if you've already gotten your packet and haven't gotten started, this might be an easy one to sort of check off the list. Yeah, get rolling. If, you, if you live in western Washington, this is one of the easy ones to get to. And uh, just a little uh, south of us here in uh, western Oregon, uh, Rally in the Gorge, still western Washington, I suppose, as well. But uh, how's that coming along, coming up here in August? It's going good. Uh, we had a couple of major things happen this month with the Rally in the Gorge. Um, number one, uh, we got a promotional video up online. And uh, that only took six years and 17 hours of editing to put together. But it looks great. It yeah. really does. It really yeah, came together really well. It came out. Um, and it's it's good informational piece. So if if you've been to the rally, but you have friends that need to know more about it, hopefully this would be a bit educational for them to understand more about what they'd be getting into if they came out to the rally this year. Uh, another thing that happened was I connected with a childhood friend of mine, and uh, turned out he was a graduate from the Art Center College of Design down in Pasadena, where I grew up. And uh, we used to ride our motorcycles up in the hills uh, of western Pasadena, but they, they got some graders up there one day and tore it all up and turned it into the Art Center College of Design. Oh, full circle there. So uh, I reconnected with Ted, and I said, hey, Ted, I, I think I got a job for you. And I sent him over some photographs, and he made a really nice poster for the rally in the gorge. So uh, if anybody out there listening would be interested in distributing some posters around the area where they live, feel free to uh, just shoot an email to tom at soundwriter.com. And we will work that out for you. Now, I want to go back in time a little bit here. You talk about riding up in the hills of uh, Pasadena when you were kids. What are the chances that those motorcycles you were on are still legal in California? 
Uh, Honda Mini Trail 50, that's legal. Okay. Yeah, it had headlights. It didn't okay. have blinkers, but it had headlights. And uh, the uh, Mini Trail 70, that's legal still. And the spark arresters and all that kind of oh, thing? Is well, that... you know, it wasn't legal for us to ride up in those hills. Right, <laughs> okay. And, and when the neighbors would call the police on us, uh, somebody one day went over to one of the neighbors, Mrs. Hickey, mm. and said, hey, uh, you know, w- would you rather that we'd be out, like, robbing banks or, you know, we're just being laying low here and of course everybody was afraid of fires and stuff like that so well i didn't need one more reason not to move to california but i think uh, mrs hickey is going to be another one on the list i'm pretty sure mrs hickey is toast by now but speaking of california as well road trip 2015 man that's going to be coming up here in october that's coming up um not a lot going on. I think that Carl and uh, uh, Bob are going to be heading out to do the pre-ride shortly, and it's all pavement, and I, I wish I was going with them, but i got to do the, the tour when it actually happens in October. Um, uh, another thing that uh, is happening this month is uh, the guys are going to go out and pre-ride the Sasquatch Stool Sport Tour. So I've got uh, Bruce and and uh, Herb going up on the north end, and then Bob's going to run the lower end, and we'll get all the information we need to make the maps and make the books up. And so that's that's moving along. Bruce, Herb, Carl, and Bob, the best pre-riders in the business. They are. No doubt about that. Bob and Bob. Bob and Bob, no doubt about that. And those guys always do put in a ton of work, and, of course, those are always successful events. So They do, and they enjoy it, and, uh, you know, they don't ask a lot from me, and uh, they, it's just a reason for them to ride, and... Uh, one of the one of the riders, Herb, is a cancer survivor, so I'm really happy that we can uh, keep him busy on his bike. He's gotten healthy enough again where he can ride, and he's been riding for about two years now since he's gone through all his uh, chemo and all that. So, well, that's fantastic, definitely, and it's always a, a good excuse to get out there and uh, to ride anytime you can, and uh, to get out there and enjoy life, appreciate life. But uh, speaking of like uh, the Sasquatch and the Rally in the Gorge. A lot of adventure touring, a lot of dual sports. And coming back in News Bites on the other side of the break here, we're going to get to uh, the Honda Africa Twin. So stay tuned. This episode of the Sound Rider Show is made possible in part by Skagit Power Sports. Hi, everyone. This is Bill Cameron from Skagit Power Sports. We're the largest motorcycle dealer in the North Sound. Come on in and check out all the latest models from Yamaha, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Ducati, and KTM. Want to take a demo ride? Bring your endorsement and you can do just that. We also carry a large selection of premium used bikes, parts, and accessories. Be sure to check out our website at SkagitPowerSports.com. Hello there. My name's Scott. I live in Everett, Washington, and I've ridden for the majority of my life. I'm 52 years old now, Uh, mostly motocross and off-road stuff. That's the racing I did, but... uh, Thinking about an adventure bike and whether I go with just a good old-fashioned dual sport that might be a few years older or something that's really zoot, don't know yet, but uh, just getting interested and paying attention to what adventure bikes are out there. Back 
in sunny Seattle on the Sound Rider Show. A ton going on in the world of motorcycle news. Tom, why don't you bring our listeners up to speed on what's happening? On the local level, not such good news. Uh, a couple of dealers this month broken into, a little smash and grab going on. Uh, both Triumph of Seattle on Aurora and Seattle Used Bikes, Dave Roosevelt's store, were both hit on different nights. Uh, they rammed their truck or vehicle or whatever they had, sure. uh, rammed it right into the glass windows, went in and took the nearest jackets they could get and threw them in the truck or vehicle and then took off. So uh, I know that both of those guys have had uh, people on the lookout on Craigslist trying to see if if this uh, if these uh, jackets are coming up online right. for sale or whatever, but uh, now strictly jackets, cool. strictly strictly jackets and apparel, much just jackets. It apparently, was whatever was closest to the door, so they could get in, hmm. get out. So, uh, if you have any information, uh, get a hold of one of those guys at the stores, or if you're seeing some nice Alpenstar jackets coming up for sale on eBay for or cheap, whatever, yeah, uh, let them know that you're seeing these things if if that's happening. Well, that's uh, unfortunate, and uh, hopefully they can uh, figure out who uh, is responsible for those acts and get those guys uh, locked up. Exactly. Um, uh, big news from Honda in May. Uh, they're going to release the Africa Twin for the United States, uh, all-new model, and uh, calling it the CRF1000L. And uh, we were we were talking the other day about what the pricing was going to be on this bike. Sure, and, uh, people have talked about you know if if Honda puts this bike out at fourteen fifteen thousand dollars, does does that make Honda think they're a premium label? Are they a premium brand? Well, this is being uh, sort of the stage is being set that this is going to be in the uh, in the capacity of an adventure touring bike. Is that right? So along the lines of your uh, GS from BMWs and your uh, Super Tenere's from Yamaha. Exactly. So uh, fourteen to fifteen thousand compared to those two would still be a bargain, right? I would think so. Yeah, yeah. and it, and it would it, you know somebody might think well it should be you know ten thousand because when they put the NC seven hundred X out it was sixty nine ninety nine which sure. was a smoking deal right but uh, I don't know, you know, the African Twin has a lot of people who have been waiting for this bike in the U S now that it's all redone and all uh, I, I think we're going to see it come in twelve to fourteen thousand and uh, it got us talking about what's a premium label. Yeah, well, I mean, usually when we say premium motorcycle brand, uh, we usually think BMW. Hold tight. Oh, brother. Sorry about that. We had to uh, turn the machine off for a minute there because uh, uh, we like our studio here in Broadview, but if we had soundproofing all over the walls, we wouldn't get to have this beautiful view out to the Olympic Peninsula. So, I think it's a fair trade-off. Uh, you know, when you guys come to get the garbage, then... Uh, you know, we got to make a note of what time they come, and then we'll make sure we record at a different time. Try something. to go around that, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, back to the Africa Twin. So we're having this, this discussion about what makes a premium label for a motorcycle company. Why is Harley-Davidson considered a premium brand? Why is BMW considered a premium brand? If we look at all the uh, recall notices year after year, 
Uh, is if you have a lot of recalls, does that make you a premium brand? Uh, well, I think uh, it seems to be that sort of the back of the envelope calculation there is just how much they charge for the actual motorcycle. So that was another thing that we considered was was this the prices of their motorcycle? So so are now are we saying if it's expensive and it has a lot of recalls, is that a premium brand? Well, I suppose that's uh, dependent on the individual there, but I kind of think I see where you're going and maybe uh, saying that Honda has a little better reputation as far as reliability is concerned. Yeah, and, and and but yeah, they're not considered. I consider them the premium brand of the Japanese brands. Sure. Uh, I brought this up with David Huff yesterday on telephone, and uh, David's take on it is is that uh, because Honda makes so many different kinds of bikes, they can't build a community of loyal owners. Where BMW, Harley Davidson, they make certain types of bikes, sure. and then within that, a community develops of people, but they're not like scattered all over the place. Now, granted, Honda has or BMW has a scooter in their lineup right now, but they don't make you know a bunch of scooters and small sure. CC bikes and this sort of thing. So, I don't know. And they, it's, a, it's just a confusing term when I hear it. And they certainly, uh, it was particularly with Harley Davidson, right? They only make motorcycles. BMW is better known for cars and motorcycles. True. And then Honda makes lawnmowers and, I mean, a little bit of everything there. Yeah, cars, lawnmowers. Except, you know, um, Bruce showed me a Honda lawnmower one day, and it had a Husqvarna motor in it. Interesting. <laughs> So let's get down to the real nitty-gritty here on the Sound Rider Show, then. Who is a premium brand in lawnmowers? What's uh, your take on that? <laughs> I'd say the premium brand is the brand that you think is the right brand for you. That's right. There you go. That's Whether it's always, a lawnmower or a motorcycle. That's always what it comes down to, I guess. Uh, but let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, maybe where you might ride some of these bikes, whether you are on the uh, new Africa Twin or otherwise. What's going on with the United States Forest Service roads uh, in the area? So... Uh, if, if you didn't know this already, you can go on to Soundrider and up on the top menu line, you can click more, and that'll take you down to the bottom of any page where you can click on road conditions. And we have all the USFS road conditions pages linked for Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. And so uh, I was doing a little updating on it the other day, and I bumped into some of the sites and realized they've done some new stuff where they're actually doing some Google mapping and making notations of what roads are open, nice. uh, what roads haven't been cleared yet for the year. And so, uh, you know, hopefully that'll, that'll uh, you know, make it a little more updated. It, it, it always goes by district who's doing your updates when. Uh, I've, I've been out on, say, like Memorial Day weekend, and they hadn't updated it since like late April, which I didn't think was right because so many people go out that they need to have a more current report up than the end of April by you, the end of May. You would hope so, and especially out here in the Northwest where there are just miles and miles of United States Forest Service roads. It's one of the great features of living out here, actually, is the access into the outdoors uh, via those state-maintained roads. Absolutely, absolutely. So you get to see this visually now. You can see the red lines, the yellow lines, and the green lines. Uh, we used this when we did our ride up to Rainier the other day, and uh, we were able to get quite a ways up on a road that they said they hadn't cleared yet that year. As in fact, we got all the way up to the top. So, uh, so it, you know, it kind of you, you, you go out, you know, maybe we're not going to get through here today, but that's part of the fun of riding. All too, part of the adventure. adventure. That's right. And uh, if you're out on the road and looking for some new places to stay, it looks like you've got some information here on a, a couple of maybe a new hostel and a new resort. 
Yeah, so down in Mitchell, Oregon, which is west of John Day, uh, they are looking at putting in a hostel that will cater to people on motorcycles and bicycles. So that's right down in the uh, Painted Hills area along Highway 26. And uh, that's that'll be cool if that happens. I guess for those traveling light, uh, that's something you know we're seeing more and more of sort of motorcycles and bicycles mentioned in the same breath, it seems like to me. And that's something that I've never really considered too much. But I guess as people start to tour more on bikes and motorcycles, um, you know, we're both traveling light. So I guess I can see some crossover appeal there. Yeah. Now, these places don't always work out. There had been a place up um, to the south of John Day called the Bearcat Lodge, and uh, it kind of came and went. It lasted about five years. It was a historical building, old uh, old uh, boarding house for people in the lumber industry, and it was renovated by the owners, but uh, it didn't work out. Uh, hopefully, something like this will. There's also another two-wheel resort coming in Tahuya possibly next year. And uh, Tahuya is an uh, area where I mean, we have a lot of DNR land that you can ride your motorcycle on trails. And uh, it's a long day if you drive out there from, say, Seattle or up from uh, anywhere western Washington. Go out there, take your bikes off the truck, go ride on the trails. By the time you get back home, it's 9 or 10 at night. You'd rather just go for two days. Sure. And what do you know about this specifically this resort? Have you seen any uh, information about what kind of services they're going to be offering? Uh, no, I just had a discussion with the owner of the property out there. Oh, nice. And so uh, both of these came in by way of people asking about maybe doing some advertising on Soundrider. So uh, I, uh, I wish them both well, and we'll be there to help them out when they open up and, and make sure that everybody knows the details of what these places are like. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to it, and we'll keep uh, all our listeners and readers up to speed uh, when we have more details there. So uh, we've got a rolling feed. Of all these uh, news bites, there's more than we can talk about here on the show. You can check it out on our soundwriter.com website, or you can follow us on Twitter, or you can like us on Facebook. Anyway, we're going to find you. That's right, and we've got uh, some more information coming for you in the calendar, local news and events just on the other side of the break. Hi, guys. This is Bill from Revit. You're listening to The Soundwriter Show. Back in studio on the Sound Rider Show again, uh, fellow writers. Thank you for tuning in. You know, summertime, as we mentioned at the top of the show, officially in full swing here, and uh, a beautiful day here, and a lot. I mean a lot of events coming to the area, spilling over onto a second page, which hasn't happened for the first few months during uh, winter here. But, Tom, let's uh, get the good folks up to speed on what's going on in the uh, calendar section. All right. Hey, so I was talking about my trip around Mount Rainier, and that's a group that I have uh, with a bunch of other guys called the Puget Sound Dual Sport Enthusiast. And uh, if you go to the calendar, you'll see uh, I just put a listing up there every month uh, for the first of the month that says we're going to someday we're going to ride this month. And you can go on to the website for it and sign up for the newsletter. You want to do that because I don't put the date of the ride on the calendar because I don't pick out when we're going to do the ride until like Wednesday. 
because I watched the weather. Sure, makes uh, sense. And yeah. a little surprise element there for uh, the good people who will be joining everybody on the dual sport enthusiast route. Yeah, and after riding here for 17 years, I finally came to the conclusion, I'm not going to plan a ride six months from now. And then, you know, it's like 80% chance of rain, and we all get dumped on. So... Well, and that's kind of a nice feature, too, of going in sort of a, a guided ride in that sense, right? Is that you can sort of leave the navigation to someone else and uh, a few U-turns be damned here or there, but you can still just get out and have fun, right? <laughs> You're looking at the king of U-turns. And everybody knows it who's ever ridden me, with me. But, uh, yeah, I, I make up a GPS route. I give it to everybody in the morning when we meet up. That way, if they want to ride together or they want to split up, we can all do it. We all know pretty much where we're going. And uh, we go at our own pace. So so we'll be doing some kind of ride in June. I don't know where we're going yet. I don't know what the date is. But uh, if you're a dual sport adventure rider and you want to get on that list, that's how you do it. Just go to the calendar and click through. Never a bad time on two wheels. <clears throat> uh, more dual sport stuff going on. Tour Tech's going to have their open house down there on Airport Way. I guess they've done some renovation in the building. So they want to invite everybody to come on in and check it out. And that is going on on June 6th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, later that month, later this month, they will be doing their Tour Tech rally up in Plain, Washington. So check that out if you're looking for a quick and easy in and out rally to go to. Uh, Power Sports always busy with a lot of events going on. Uh, this month they'll be doing their Festival of Raw Power along with other sorted events. Uh, this is kind of cool. It's a two-day event up at the store. It's a, it's a dyno shootout, and yeah, you can bring any bike you want. They just basically they make up the classes as they go. So I think everybody's kind of a winner in the end. Well, free of charge, too. Yeah. Yeah, hey, hey, get your bike on a dyno for no charge. That's a good deal. Um, they got barbecue going on. They're doing prizes every hour and that sort of thing. So and a good uh, selection of gear there too. So it's always nice to get up there and browse that. Oh yeah, and Jose he he keeps good stock of product up there. So so definitely check that out. Uh, there will be the uh, annual island cruise put on by Star Touring and Riding. This is a ride around Whidbey Island. Uh, I don't think you have to own a Yamaha to do this, although the Star Group is a Yamaha group. Um, but it's uh, it's always a nice ride. If the weather's good, you're not going to want to miss this. If you if you haven't toured Whidbey Island, these guys know all the back roads. So it's it's you know it's one one thing to say, well, I went up Highway 20 on Whidbey Island. Sure. It was beautiful. But uh, you get out with these guys on the back roads, and uh, I've got my routes on Whidbey where maybe we spend two or three miles maximum on on the main highways. Nice. So that's happening. Uh, Marymount's doing their motorcycle week. This is on the LeMay property down in Puyallup, and uh, it's a lot going on. I'm not going to go through every day, but uh, we have all the details pretty much of every day on the Soundrider calendar. So uh, if you're interested in seeing some old bikes, I know there's a trials competition. Uh, there's a Father's Day event going on. That'll all be happening starting on uh, June 15th going through the 21st. A whole week. It looks like a lot of good stuff coming down there, too. Now, is this uh, this is on the uh, the Car Museum. This is the same, uh, the same okay, property so, here? Or? So to get this straight, this is not the Car Museum oh, okay. you see in Tacoma off of I-5. I see. That was birthed out of the LeMay collection, which has always been down at this uh, – it was like a, a woman's boarding school. It was a military place at one time. I see. 
<coughs> just another reason to uh, tune into Sound Rider here. You get the history of motorcycling in the area as well. Because I would, I would have guessed automatically that that is the uh, so good information to have. Yeah, and it's a, it's it is a great property. Always uh, fun to go check out. Uh, also going on in Oregon, the uh, Chief Joseph Motorcycle Rally. This is uh, put on by the Oregon BMW Club. It'll be running on uh, June 19th through the 21st. That sounds like a Father's Day weekend thing. It does. <coughs> and uh, I'm just looking here a little bit at the description that they've provided. And uh, listen listen to this. Golden cattle country, refreshing mountain passes, painted hills, river canyons, and wide open desert. That sounds like a pretty good mix there to me. And it, and that's all real. I've been down there. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. I had some great topography. Went there one day. It was raining. My GPS told me to go down a dirt road. And I went about six, seven miles down this dirt road. I got almost to the end. I could see the pavement on the highway. Sure. And uh, I did a little endo on the bike. Oh, boy. And what had happened was all the uh, dirt on the road is actually clay. And it built up between my fender and my front wheel. And it locked up the front of the bike. That much clay, huh? Yeah. I had to use tire irons to break it all out because it baked it on. Well, maybe uh, if it's raining, avoid the clay roads. But otherwise, get down there and check those guys out. That's see what, what they're I would doing, do. Right? I would avoid those <laughs> secondary, tertiary clay roads for sure. Uh, so k- king of the U-turn, but not in all situations. Right? <laughs> uh, let's see. Over in Idaho, there's going to be uh, flat track racing in Owyhee. I learned how to enunciate Owyhee because uh, there's actually a story about how Owyhee got its name, and it does have something to do with Hawaii. Really? So, uh, so there'll be flat track racing on Friday and Saturday, the 19th and 20th, over in Idaho. Got a link to that on the calendar. Um, see here. Oh, uh, Scott Moon at Moon Motorcycles is going to do his official grand opening. Uh, his shop's been open for a few months now, but they figured they'd wait till we had maybe maybe some better weather. Sure, always a good idea. And we hear that things have been pretty successful over there so far. Huh? <coughs> He's staying busy moving those bikes. Uh, you got to use bike you want to sell. Give it to Scott and post it on Sound Rider. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, in addition to the flat track racing at Hawaii, we've got uh, um, sport bike racing down at Portland this month and also out at the Ridge near Shelton in Washington. So uh, lots and lots of stuff going on. That uh, The Portland racing is uh, 27th, 28th, uh, as well as uh, Wimra at the Ridge. So this is Omra in Portland and Wimra at the Ridge. Uh, later this year, the two clubs to get together and race against each other. But uh, for now, they keep their racing kind of like, you know, American League, National League. I understand <laughs> that. Now, uh, this is maybe a slightly off topic here, but have you ever done any racing, or is that uh, sort of foreign to you in the motorcycle world? I, I leave that for everybody else to do. I just okay. never enjoy going around in circles. I gotcha. All right. So maybe if they do a uh, sort of a street track or something like that, maybe we can get you on board. <clears throat> well, now I have done that. Yeah, Pisa Sound Safety has an advanced rider class that they teach on the track at 
<clears throat> the uh, Racetrack Pacific Raceway is in Kent. And in the morning, they run all the exercises in the regular direction that the racers ride. In the afternoon, they change it out, and all the exercises in the afternoon go the opposite direction, which is really cool because you get a chance to ride some of that track in the opposite direction. Yeah. So where the, like, uh, turn uh, three and four, they're, they're downhill. You get to ride them uphill, and they're awesome. So that's a, that's a, a great thing to get into if you you know if you if you and it's it's not crazy racing either. It's sure. it's it's skill more building riders, and, skill building. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Well, it sounds like something nice to check out, and it's always good you know to keep improving those skills and taking classes because you can always learn from people. So uh, that's always something to take into consideration as you sort of progress through the summer and uh, your motorcycling career. Yeah, uh, July I've got some stuff coming up. Want to make sure you got it on your calendar. We got it on ours. Uh, we'll be doing a Sasquatch Dual Sport Tour on July 6th through the 9th, and that'll take us through the uh, Oregon Coastal Range. Um, the Hell's Canyon Rally will be going on later in the month. And then uh, there's a number of charity rides that we have on our calendar listed, including the Puppy Putt and the Angel Ride for Hospice. So just a lot, a lot of good stuff coming to the area. And believe it or not, there's even more listed on SoundRider.com right now. And if you go to SoundRider.com and click on Calendar, uh, you can see an entire list there. And also, if you do have an event, we'd love to hear about it. So uh, click on the Submit link on the Calendar page and send it our way. We're coming right back in a minute with our first guest. Honda's Goldway and CTX lineups feature some of the most innovative motorcycles around. You've heard it. You've read it. Now it's time to experience it. Start your journey with a Hondo demo ride today. For a limited time, you can demo the Goldwing, Goldwing F6B, and Goldwing Valkyrie, as well as the CTX 1300, CTX 700, and CTX 700N. The only way to truly appreciate how great these bikes are is to get out and ride them. The Start Your Journey demo event is happening now at Southbound Honda at 2724 96th Street South in Lakewood, Washington. So what are you waiting for? Hi, my name is Butch. I ride a 2013 uh, R1200R Roadster BMW, and my favorite ride is over Highway 20 and into Republic for their uh, annual rally. State your name and tell us what kind of motorcycle you ride. Uh, I'm Jim Palms, and I ride a 2012 Triumph Explorer. So, riders, we are here today with Jim Palms, who has just completed a 4810 ride. And uh, I'm going to guess that a lot of you aren't aware about what that is, and it's very interesting. Jim, tell us about the 4810 ride. Well, the 4810 is a certified ride by the Iron Butt Association. And the goal is to uh, prove that you were in all 48 of the lower states within 10 days, 10 days or less. So that's quite a task. It is. It's at least 120 hours of riding. Um, you need to prove that you were in the state by uh, a receipt showing the city, state, date and time you collate all those and you can prove that you did it 
And so when we say 48 states in 10 days, what's the average mileage for a ride like that, uh, a daily mileage? Daily mileage, uh, just under 900 miles. I was riding about 14 hours a day. Wow. Now, that was for you because you did, You finished it in nine days, is that correct? Yeah, just under nine days. I wanted one day in the bank just in case mechanical difficulties or weather. Yeah, and during your ride, which was in early May? Yep, early May. So there was quite a bit of weather going on, and I, I think you kind of circumnavigated it pretty well, huh? Yeah, picked a bad week to do a iron butt ride. A lot of exciting weather in Texas, Oklahoma, and even uh, Minnesota. But just luckily, um, I, I missed most of the heavy weather. I couldn't really deviate too much from the ride. It would uh, just take too much time. Yeah. So you kind of have to pre-plan your route ahead of time. And then what do you do? You put that all on a GPS? Yeah. Um, put different segments into the GPS. And uh, each evening... Um, well, every evening I wouldn't know exactly how far I'd go. I'd just go till I was tired or by uh, sunset. Don't much care for riding past um, in the dark. So I'd end up where I was wherever and take the GPS and uh, plan the next day's route. And So how many people, because this is done through Iron Butt Association, I'm sure there's a figure. How many people have actually done this event and succeeded? I think it's around 150. So that's not really a lot. No, and that's over the last 20 years. Oh, wow. So I guess you have to be half crazy to do this. Why do people do this ride? Good question. I ask myself that a lot. And also, I didn't even mention this ride to hardly anybody except my wife before I left because I thought I'd get that question a lot, and it'd be really hard to answer it. But... Uh, Actually, people have been pretty fascinated by it and seem to get the idea that it's just, it's a marathon. It's a test of myself, test of the bike, of course. Well, I figured you had nine days to figure it out. <laughs> you would think so. <laughs> and uh, uh, when you're out there riding that many hours a day and trying to hit 900 miles a day, do you need to speed? Did you get pulled over at all? Um, just going as I usually do, about the speed limit. Uh, fitting in with traffic, I pass some people and get passed by about as many as I pass. Um, so, no, you don't have to speed. You Any of the iron butt rides you can complete uh, at a legal speed. It's just you spend a lot of time on the road. Uh, I did get pulled over once in Texas. Speed limit was about 75. Everybody's doing about 80. I was cruising along. But... Um, it was the first small town I hit, and I realized every town was like this, that it would quickly slow down. The speed limit would be 75, then 70, next block 55, 45, oh. 40, 30. And I, I missed one of the signs. I was expecting the speed limit to be about 35 and missed one. So it was kind of like a smoking and a bandit syndrome, huh? Mm -hmm. I thought there were. Uh, he just took my license, uh, checked it out. Asked if I brought any marijuana from Washington that his dog would like to find. So, <laughs> so no, not this time. So, and he was very nice about it. So, how uh, kind of tell us a little outline of the route that you took, and tell us a little bit about how you planned that. Um, I wanted to do it 
the quickest way from Seattle back to Seattle. It'd be a quicker, easier ride if you're just working your uh, way across the country. But the way I did is went down to Umatilla, Oregon, just south of uh, the Tri-Cities, and spent the night there, went down there after work on a Wednesday, and started the ride Thursday morning. Um, if I had to do it over again, I would have stayed in Pendleton. Umatilla does not have much going on at 4.30 in the morning. I finally found a gas station that was open, but it wouldn't give me a receipt that I needed. So I'm oh. bouncing around there. I needed witnesses, and there's only two young girls working at the gas station. And for some reason, they didn't want to give this old man their phone number and address. So um, hmm. I did have a witness from the hotel the night before, so I'm hoping that works out. Now, did you have similar situation like this at any point along the way otherwise? Uh, receipts usually were uh, the gas station receipts worked, but uh, really down the southeast, uh, they most of them weren't very good, so I'd have to try two, three, four businesses. Uh, even went into a CVS, but did need some leave anyway, so that worked out there. Hmm. So, so how do you choose your route? Um, tried a different, couple different ways from Umatilla, and what worked out was going up uh, through Spokane, through Coeur d'Alene, Missoula. Now I headed south and picked up Utah, uh, spent the night there at the um, Wyoming border, then headed straight east the next day. And when you get to the uh, southeast corner of Nebraska, you can dip south, pick up Kansas, jog over a little bit, uh, hit Missouri, and then north just a few miles, and you're in Iowa. So picked up a lot of the Midwest right there. But then I had to head north to North Dakota. And the next place... Um, obvious place would be Maine. There's, you want to hit the south tip of that. So I just routed from North Dakota over to Maine. And uh, again, from Maine heading south, you want to hit the northwest corner of Florida. So I routed that, see what was the quickest route, and then um, modified that route a little bit to pick up some of the other states like Kentucky and South Carolina. They were a little tricky to get. So I've looked at your GPS line, and it kind of zigzags back and forth across the upper two-thirds of, of uh, the U.S., and then it zigzags all through the East Coast because there's so many little states together. Right. And, then, uh, and then as you get down to Florida, you come back across the lower third, right? Right. And kind of zigzag back and forth between the states that way. Yeah, it was pretty, uh, straight, pretty straight shot from Florida. I uh, had to go up to Oklahoma, dip in there for a minute get my receipt but otherwise it was following the main line i was hoping to cut through colorado and get more t headed towards the northwest but there wasn't a good route so your final stop was needles california Ooh, what fun <laughs> you've been there been there uh, i probably wouldn't do that again that, that was a regular stop for us when we would go to like the grand canyon as kids you know okay so, so, so uh, at the end of the nine days, you're in Needles. How do you feel? I was beat, uh, of course. Um, it wasn't too bad, surprisingly decent, uh, doing 14 hours a day. Um, but I got a new seat for this ride from a, was a Russell Day Long seat. My butt felt pretty good on that. But the problem was I had to stretch a little. The ergonomics weren't quite right for the handlebars. And didn't really notice that before I left. Ah. I got a little pinched nerve in the back, so 
I got that taken care of. Didn't have that little bend in your elbow you need, huh? No. Mm. Interesting. Um, Now, you stopped every night. Did you you take camping gear and camp out, or what did you do? No, I stayed in cheap motels, mostly. Uh, Camping would take too much time, and I really needed to just plop down on some sort of soft surface. Uh, many iron butt people uh, go to the famous iron butt motel, which in the past, the standard room, I would say, was a picnic bench at your rest area. Yeah. But now the uh, deluxe room that they're looking for is one of those demo sheds in from the Home Depot. <laughs> you pull in there and spend a quiet night. <laughs> and and no, no telling if the guy who owns that demo shed is going to be right. coming out to get a rake out of there at 3 in the morning or something, but... I went ahead and splurged the forty-five, fifty bucks on a room. So you own a few bikes, but for this one, you took the Triumph Explorer. Correct. And uh, how did you prep the bike in advance? Uh, with it, uh, it goes about 10,000 miles uh, between services, and I knew it was going to be about 91, 9,200 miles. So dropped it off at Triumph of Seattle and had the oil changed pretty early but they went over really close they knew what ride it was going to do and uh, the tires need replacing it did go through a whole rear tire uh, on the back there and but otherwise the bike ran flawlessly okay so you got ten thousand out of the rear tire yep oh that's good that's good and i know that um this was the first year for the explorer and I know that you've uh, had it in on several recalls and a couple of switch failures, and, and uh, I don't remember everything. I remember one time it didn't start in the morning. So how were you feeling about uh, – did you feel like you'd gotten through all those things and the bike was ready to go? Yeah, it was uh, disappointing at first. Uh, there was a problem with the ECU. That was finally replaced uh, a little over a year ago. Uh, several people had trouble with that, and uh, – some noise from the head, but Triumph and Triumph, Triumph North America and Triumph of Seattle took care of things, and I just felt comfortable with the way they they took care of me, and really didn't worry about the bike. It's been problem free for the last year. Okay, so what sort of modifications did you make to the bike? Did you add an auxiliary gas tank, or I have one of those Rotapax tanks um, can about a one gallon. I didn't need it, but it really helps, uh, allows me to go a little bit farther than I normally would uh, to risk it, knowing I have that back up there. And that's real important in the West. What, what was the range on the bike typically? Um, only about 180 miles. I was getting about 37 miles per gallon. But a lot of that's at 75, 80 miles an hour. And other modifications you had, not not just one GPS on there. What else do you have up on those handlebars? I uh, did have a spare GPS. Oh, one of my favorites was the uh, easy pass for the toll bridges ah, okay. out uh, toll roads. Starting at Illinois, uh, Indiana, Ohio, New York, Pennsylvania, I went through about 40 toll booths. So, riders, if you think we got it uh, hard with our little good-to-go pass, wait till you go to the East Coast where you need this easy easy pass. Easy pass. Yeah, like 40 different toll booths that you went through. But Yeah, the good thing is that all the states use the same pass system. I purchased, or 
purchased mine through Massachusetts. They seem to have the best program. Uh, it was no charge. They send it out and take $30 and put it in my account as a deposit. So now I'll be sending it back and get my money back. So um, what would you what would you have modified had you known what you know now? Hmm. The handlebars. Okay. Would be, Just get um, them a little closer to you. Yeah. I tried some uh, cruiser pegs on there. Uh, let, it would have been nicer to have a better setup there, but... Uh, when, there might be something available for it, but the, where I was able to mount the bars, it was kind of awkward to get my legs around there. But it was nice to be able to stretch my legs out. So let's talk about what you did to physically prepare your body for this trip, because ten days sitting upright on a bike, you gotta you you gotta do something with your back there to get it ready, right? Right. Well, I've been for the uh, last six months, year, I've been doing. Uh, what's called planks to strengthen the core muscles, and that really helped. Um, other than a pinched nerve, didn't feel too bad uh, during the ride. But uh, I would say the your uh, health, healthy diet and uh, hygiene are the first casualties of an adventure like this. It wasn't the best eating. Uh, ate at McDonald's quite a bit because they really give you a good receipt it was always a good good oh give you good receipt yeah okay i got you interesting um let's see um so you never had to do oh yeah you must have had to do an oil change in there somewhere nope no oil change because the bike would go that long and are you running synthetic or semi-synthetic synthetic Synthetic, yeah can go ten thousand miles so it's due for a service I was yeah. complaining to the Triumph dealer the other day how much service this bike needs that have to bring in for a major service every month, and a back tire only lasts me two weeks. <laughs> they told me it was my fault. <laughs> uh, okay, now, uh, pictures, photos when you're out there. Are you taking any pictures? Oh, I took about four. I think everyone knows what an interstate looks like, and wasn't wasn't too much picturesque to see along the way and just too awkward to stop that often and so you were mostly on the interstate yes okay Uh, mostly interstate um i I was going to get close to the tail of the dragon in north carolina's the quickest route was about 10 miles from there so i decided to splurge and take that no is really a nice road. The pavement's just about perfect and lots of curves. Now they got all the semis off it, so you don't yes. have that silliness going on out there. Um, so, so how, now that you've done it, did you enjoy it? It's hard to say enjoy. It was an accomplishment. I'm glad I did it. I've uh, learned what I can do on the bike, but. I don't have any plans to do another one like this. All right. So you got the feather in your cap, and you're satisfied with that. Yes. All right. And uh, did you feel you got to know more of the country by doing this? Not really. That was the tough part of seeing some beautiful scenery, getting close to areas I'd like to explore more, and not being able to have the time to do that. I did stop for about an hour and visited with a brother and sister in Minneapolis, but there's another brother uh, of mine in Rhode Island that I haven't seen in a while, and it was late in the day. I just didn't have time, even half an hour, to stop by and see him. So now, now you've seen him for like 20 minutes in the last 30 years, Yeah, huh? correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, I want to thank you for coming over here and doing this today and letting us know about the uh, the event you did. I'm going to probably do a little feature in Soundwriter, too. You sent me over a nice photo, so I'll probably put something together for people who want to read and not listen. But uh, thanks again for coming by. All right. Thanks, Tom. We will be right back. Hi, this is Rich from Rich's Custom Motorcycle Seats, and you're listening to The Soundwriter Show. Welcome back, writers, to the Soundwriter Show. Um, new segment for us, and we probably won't do it every show, but uh, it does make sense. Like so many podcasts, uh, we get letters and uh, people asking questions, and it might be a good idea for us to publicly respond to them so that everybody knows a little more about what's, what's going on. Uh, Derek, you got a letter there. Go ahead and hit me with it. Yeah, that's right. So uh, I've got a couple here, but I'm going to start off with one. This one is actually directed to you, Tom, and it says, uh, I'm a longtime sound rider reader and Harley rider. It seems that the website does not cover the cruiser market as much recently, and I was wondering if you have any cruiser-focused articles in the works. And that's from uh, Barry in Tacoma. Okay. Thank you, Barry. Um, we do... Try cover the cruiser market. We try, kind of try to you know keep everything even. Sure. So it it will be there will be uh, lapses of coverage for sure. Um, we've been kind of focused on getting that uh, trials competition article up and that sort of thing. But good news, Barry. Um, I'm reconnecting with my friend Bev over at Eastside Motorsports, and we'll probably be doing an updated feature on them since it's been about 15 years since we covered them. I'd consider that to be updated at this time. Yeah. Uh, I don't make a point out of doing coverage every issue, although the calendar, there's always stuff for cruiser people to do in the calendar. And uh, when applicable, I will uh, certainly put articles in. Uh, and then there's articles that kind of cross over everything. Like if we do a piece on Rich's custom seats, that kind of includes everybody sure. in that. Or even just like touring tips and that kind of thing, too. You know, that yeah, applies exactly. across all segments. And that's a lot of the stuff that we do run is uh, sort of applicable across all segments there. Now, uh, you know, we're certainly we're fans of all motorcycles here. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think Barry makes a fair point though, that, uh, you know, it's always good to, uh, sort of spread out our, uh, you know, our views on, uh, every segment of the uh, motorcycle market there and maybe a cruiser piece or two would be a good idea. Oh yeah. And I mean like that piece you did on Zachy's right. in the winter, you know, that's, that's the right. kind of stuff where we have the time to get in and sit down with these people and get some good coverage going. Cause you know, winter times when you want to take your bike in for some modifications or painting or whatever, and that's a big deal within the cruiser market. Sure. So, uh, and also, you know, our events, if you look at, at our specific sound rider events, we got the cruiser market it covered under the road trip right and uh i i'd like to see more cruisers out on the road trip tour um because i think you know it's 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 really a great trip and it's not loaded with a ton of people some of the the uh like the hog the northwest hog rally each summer and that sort of thing you know the 60 70 80 people well that's that's a community kind of thing kind of like what dave was talking about sure earlier on on the premium brands 
But, uh, you know, if uh, come and join us for something like the road trip. That's always a good one. Or certainly Cafe to Cafe. That's true. Totally applies to the cruiser people. Absolutely. That's a great one to ride two up with, right? So uh, a lot of cruiser uh, yeah. cruiser riders do take uh, you know their loved ones with them, and uh, Cafe to Cafe is a perfect fit for that. Absolutely. All right, this one's coming from uh, Gary down in Gresham. He says, uh, hey, Soundwriter, can you put our new club on the club's directory? So check this out. It's called the EMS Road Docks NW Club. And it's a group of regist- – it's a registered nonprofit riding club made up of paramedics, doctors, EMTs, and nurses. Interesting. Okay, so the uh, the name. Let's get that one more time there because I'm sure that uh, people are going to be furiously uh, Googling that. The EMS Road Docks NW. I got a feeling that uh, this would have been a good group to have in the uh, Twin Peaks down there in Waco a while ago. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> Probably a uh, that's probably a good point there, but uh, you know that's uh, something that uh, we'll probably will add to the club's page then, huh? It's always yeah, I'll, nice I'll, get, to have... I'll get that put up on the club's page. In fact, by the time you hear the broadcast, I probably will have put it up. Now, what do you think? Uh, speaking of segments uh, of the motorcycle market, what do you think is the most popular segment amongst doctors, uh, paramedics, EMS, and uh, nurses? Just curious. I don't have the information, but I'm just curious if you've had any thoughts there. Mm, I would say Harley Davidson. Think so. I don't know. It's yeah. hard to say. I mean, I know a lot say, of them yeah. too. I mean, we get a lot of them on uh, on uh, the Sasquatch tour. Sure. So, dual sport adventure, somewhere in between there. <clears throat> I haven't done a a full readout on this, you know. Sure. So, um, I've got another one for us here, and uh, this one is uh, a little more open ended. So, we'll get uh, your take on this one as well. This one says, uh, "Tom and Derek, recently I headed out on my first long ride of the season, joined by a buddy of mine here in Central Washington. I usually ride with earplugs." And uh, I thought my friend was installing his when I noticed that it was actually his earphones. This triggered a minor debate on whether or not it was a good idea to listen to music while riding. I'll spare you our thoughts, but was interested in getting yours. Love the podcast and look forward to many more episodes. What's your thoughts on wearing headphones when you're riding? Um, I've done it. Mm -hmm. In fact, I do a really weird thing where I I put my earplugs in, and then I have the speakers in my Nolan on the outside of that, and I turn them up. So how does the uh, how does the Nolan system work there? Do you have uh, exterior controls to that where you can uh, sort of adjust the volume levels, turn it on and off as necessary? Yeah, it's Bluetooth, and you can run everything off the left side of your helmet. Okay. So so my take on doing music when you're riding on the motorcycle is if if I'm going on uh, basically if I'm going on pavement that's not super intricate. Maybe the highway or a sure. state route. I'm okay with doing it. I, I don't have a problem, you know, uh, staying in touch with the bike and and it's it is a nice addition, especially when you get out on those on those wide open roads. It really is. Uh, when I get into the twisties and stuff, I don't want that stuff going on in my ears, so I turn it all off. Yep. And you know, I'm when I'm focusing on chasing the vanishing point through the corners, or I'm focusing on my balance on the on the gravel, that sort of thing. I don't need that additional. Uh, you know, over amperage on my brain. And I think that's kind of uh, where I'm at with it as well. You know, when you're out riding in like uh, central Washington or even when I've taken long stretch stretches through uh, like Utah and that kind of thing, uh, you know, I really like to listen to a little music while I'm out on those open stretches of highways, but it's kind of like when you're in your, in your car too, when traffic gets up, first thing you do is reach for that volume knob and turn it down. Right. So uh, if things are a little more intricate, um, it's always good to have that control at your fingertips there. And you know, 
it's it's going to be individual by the writer. If you think you can do it and you get along doing it just fine, okay. If you think you want to try it and you have a, an oh crap moment, sure. Maybe it's not a good idea for you to be doing that. I, th- I noticed that uh, Microsoft just released a, a report on attention span and said that everybody, the average person's attention span over the last 15 years has gone from 13 seconds to 12 seconds. I'm sorry, I didn't get that last second. 12. Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I, you know... 13 seconds, man. That's, that's not much. That's not very long. No. When I'm out working through the corners and chasing the vanishing point on the corners around the back of Mount St. Helens, I know my attention span is really – I guess, you know, you, you, after you pass through a corner, does that restart your attention span? I don't know. Yeah, how do you measure attention span anyway? I'm not sure uh... – not sure where that's at. I like to think that uh, our average listener's attention span is just right around an hour, give or take five minutes. Hey, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so what All else right. you got for us, Tom? So we got a letter from uh, Howard Gortney. He says, uh, can I buy a gift certificate online in the Soundwriter store to give to a friend? Call or email me with the procedure. Um, or podcast me. So we redid the store, and we're still adding in some of the items. And we do have gift certificates that we'll be making available. And I'll, I'll bump that one up on the list of stuff to add back in. But we'll have those available again shortly. Yeah, and that's, I think, always uh, something that has been a relatively popular seller in the past. You know, it's kind of nice. We do have some specialty items there. And if you know a motorcycle rider, um, send them our way. Um, so I've got uh, one more for us here, Tom. Uh, again, uh, Derek and Tom, I've been reading Soundwriter since the early 2000s, and I'm really enjoying the edition of the Soundwriter podcast, so thanks for that. This is from Randy in Centralia. Uh, I've heard Derek mention that he rides a DR350. That's correct, uh, but was curious as to what Tom is currently riding. As I am actively in the market for a new-to-me bike, I thought that you may be able to share why you ride what you ride and maybe offer up a few suggestions for any good value used bikes. Okay. Um, hmm. Well, what am I riding? I, I've got five bikes. Five so, bikes. Uh, yeah. What's your main one, though? Uh, my my two primary. I got three primary bikes. Okay. Um, I've got the NC seven hundred X, which I use for road touring, uh, and if I plan to be doing a little bit off road, that's definitely my my tool of choice. Sure. Um, then I've got a uh, Honda Silverwing scooter. FSC 600, and it's awesome on the road. I love it. People laugh, you know. People people laugh at scooter guys. They think we're all kind of wussies or whatever. But. Well, I mean, it's you know, I think we all have fun in uh, in a uh, in a sort of a positive light there. But there is something to be said for just being able to get out right and hit the gas and not worry about working that clutch, particularly like in the traffic we have here in Seattle that can really burn you out pretty fast. Oh yeah, but I mean, when I'm out when I'm out doing the back roads, the scooter is my favorite because. Because um, the low center of gravity, it's just a blast to pull it through a corner, okay, sure. come out of a corner, hit the gas. And like you say, you're not working, worrying about shifting it. The drawback on that would be that you don't have the kind of compression that I like to have when I'm going through corners. I, I much prefer to use compression over using my brakes. Sure. Now, uh, usually um, when I think of you riding, I usually think of the NC700X. Uh, so why uh, in particular? I mean, we know you're a Honda guy. We've talked about that a little bit on the show here. But why particularly that bike? Because I, I had a, um, a Yamaha FC6 that I'd spent quite a bit of money and time uh, really converting into a nice sport touring bike. Sure. And I just never really totally got it there. 
uh, it was time to change, and Honda came up with the NC700, and I looked at it, and I said, well, finally, you know, a bike that I might want to get from Honda. I went ahead and got the, the uh, OEM touring bags for it, uh, had Rich build a custom seat for it, did uh, a number of modifications, including uh, fixing that uh, horrendous silver paint job. Sure. And, uh, but, you know, turned it into the gold wing yellow that I love. Of course, yeah. And, uh, you know, slowly but surely turned it into my motorcycle. And uh, it's a light, you know, well, I don't know it's about 500 pounds, but it's not as heavy as some of the big sport touring bikes. So it's a little more agile. Uh, I'm able to put Heidenau tire on the back and a TKC 80 up on the front. So I've got uh, some traction when I go into the gravel. But it's not the one I'm going to take on the, on the horrendous gravel roads. Sure. That would be my, my uh, NX650. And what year's the NX650? Let's let the... Uh, well, everybody who's been to the Rally in the Gorge, I'm sure, has seen it, or the uh, Sasquatch Dual Sport uh, Tour as well. But what year is the uh, It's 600? a 1988 mm-hmm. NX650. Uh, so, you know, you're talking 20-year-old technology in there. Sure. 20? No, almost 30. Almost 30, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and uh, no computer chips... So that can't fail. Right. Uh, hasn't had a recall in years. Um, did did get a, a carburetor kit and fixed the jetting that was a problem inherently from the, the beginning when they came out. I only put that bike out in the U.S. Uh, for two years, but they sold it around the rest of the world for about 20. So, uh, so that, you know, that works for me. Yeah. I don't know where he plans to go riding on a motorcycle. Sure. But... Uh, if I was if I was interested in dual sport riding, I'd be looking for about a 600 cc bike in that category somewhere. Yeah. Um, because well, it has the, it has the get up and go that you want on the highway, but it's a nice lightweight thing. So something like a KLR. Yeah, or, I think if you're going to go, you know, used or maybe a first bike, uh, I think the KLR is always a good one to look for because that's something that you get pretty good value for your money. And if you're going to get something with a little higher mileage on it, you can really get a pretty good deal. And it's kind of just beat it to crap for a year or two yeah. and then get rid of it, right? If you're planning to stay just on the pavement, I'd be looking at something like the new Yamaha FJ09. Sure. That's a cool bike, and I love the OEM luggage on that, and the styling's awesome. It's got the inverted front fork, stuff that I've I paid money to switch out on my FC6. Sure. I ended up putting R6 forks on the front of it. But, uh, you know, for a road bike, I'm always looking for something. If it has tunable suspension, that's always nice. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that's it. at the end of the day, you do kind of have to experience, I think, maybe a couple of different bikes unless you really know what kind of riding you want to do. And that's kind of where I fall into with the DR350. Um, I like t- gnarly dual sports, no windscreens, really light. Uh, I'm six foot tall, so I can flat foot it. It does sit up pretty high. And uh, I've got the extended range tank on there, so I can get uh, just over 200 miles out of it. But i got to be honest with you, the DR350, I know this sounds crazy. It's a 96, and uh, I didn't pay much for it, but it really is my dream bike, at least at the moment. So I feel pretty fortunate to have it. And you're going to go take some long rides here pretty soon, so we're going to see how your butt likes it. Well, you do recall what I took my last uh, sort of mega ride on, don't you? Yeah, it was a KLX250. Like, yeah, KLR250. They made KLR. a KLR version for a few years. Kickstart only, I might add, and stock mm. seat. So, uh We'll see. I'll have to uh, put in first maybe some extended vacation time here at Sound Rider <laughs> after that. But. All right, this one comes from uh, Michelle McDevitt. She says, can you recommend a battery charger that will keep my 2001 BMW R1150R battery to 100% of capacity in all climates? 
I got I found out about you from your archived article called Motorcycle Battery Care. The archive strikes again. A lot of good stuff in there. 16 years next month officially. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, my recommendation to you based on a year of experience now with running Shorai batteries is you go and take a look at getting the Shorai. You can you can get those for your for that model year uh, BMW. And uh, you'll need to get the proprietary charger because there's a six-pin input for it to do all the the uh, thinking that the computer chips do now on those batteries. But it's a, uh, a lithium – it's the latest lithium technology, super lightweight battery. And uh, I found it to be reliable across three different motorcycles now I have it in. Um, and that's what I would do. If I'm changing out a battery, I get away from lead acid and start looking at this new lithium technology despite what happened with the uh, 787. Yeah, well, I think you get a little bit uh, longer shelf life there and a little more efficiency and that kind of thing. Um, you know, I don't use uh, battery chargers. I haven't needed to because the bikes that I've owned have uh, all been something that I could pretty well roll start. Um, but you've got, like you mentioned earlier, five down in the garage there. Is this something that you're using yourself? Yeah, so I, I have three of the five have the lithium Shorai batteries in them. Okay. And then uh, the other two have the the lead-acid cells, and I have to have two different types of chargers. So if you're using the lead-acid uh, battery, I highly recommend the Optimate 4, which has the ability to go in and desulfate the, the cells on the battery so you get a little more lifespan out of it. Yeah, well, I mean, again, you know, is that uh, something – because – if you're going to keep, uh, particularly if you have a couple of bikes, I mean, what would you say is sort of uh, average shelf life maybe if you leave it untended, a lithium battery? Do you have any idea there? I don't know yet. Yeah. Okay. Have I left think it the untended. technology yeah. is still too new for all of us to know. We're okay. going to find out, though, over the next few years here. There we go. So, and then uh, the question is, I don't know what the, if there's a, uh, there, there's not sulfate in there, so I'm not sure what you do to uh, regenerate the battery back, if there's a way to do that. I don't know. So check back for our 20th anniversary issue, and we'll try to update you on the shelf life of lithium batteries. <laughs> all right. Well, we're, we're running this long. I'm going to uh, do this one real quick. Uh, hello. I wear a 2X shirt and have a 42-inch waist. It does not appear that your MSL base layers that you sell in your store will fit me. Do you have any suggestions? This is from Tyrone down in Florida. And uh, Tyrone, uh, 2X, 3X is really tough when you get into base layers because everybody in the sporting industry thinks they're making these base layers for sports people who there's not a lot of them that are 2X, 3X. So uh, you don't find that many options out there. Uh, our option is we do have the Vapor Micro Tees, and we have the Andiamo Basic Skins that come in at 2X. So that would be the solution for you. And, uh, I don't know, Derek, what are you wearing for base layers? Yeah, you know, I uh, am a pretty slim build there, so the base layers uh, tend to wrap around me uh, pretty good. The only offset for me is that I usually have some exposed wrists and ankles, which can kind of create some cold or uh, wet spots, uh, depending on the riding conditions there. But, you know, I like a lot of different stuff, a lot of stuff uh, that you'll find in camping stores and that kind of stuff. I have some Under Armour, and I have some Merino wool stuff that I will uh, kind of switch back and forth. And, uh, you know, it's just... It kind of depends on the season, I suppose. Merino wool, I guess, is probably my favorite uh, right now. But the Under Armour stuff can work well, too. So, 
So normally right now we would probably do the tip of the month. I think we've just spilled out a whole lot of tips. I think so. Yeah. So uh, I think we're going to wrap this up. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to the show again. It's growing every month. I uh, love the way you guys are sharing it with other people and letting them know about it. Uh, you know the link, soundwriter.com backslash show. And uh, all the previous shows are there as well. And we'll look forward to talking to you next time or talking with you or talking at you next time on the Soundwriters show. And uh, I'll give you one tip. Don't ride like my mother. And don't ride like my mother either. We'll see you in July. Thanks for tuning in. The Soundwriters show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.